0: Morning. I'm supposed to give a plug here before we get uh, rocking and rolling. About the men's ministry, has an opportunity for you on July the 16th. All you men, uh, bring your sons, nephews, grandchildren, friends um, to the Rainier game at Cheney Stadium. So they're going to get a block bunch of seats. So this is what it's going to be—a great time. Twenty bucks. This is what you get. You get a ticket. You get a hot dog. You get a drink. You get chips. You get a ball cap. You get bacon and a cigar. Eric's telling me no on the bacon and cigar so but you still get it That's a good deal for your, for your 20 bucks okay so you got to get and you can come cheer on the team they're triple a west champions last year so you can come cheer them on along with their mascot rhubarb the reindeer yeah I know I was like come on Tacoma get it together but that's what it is well happy father's day to all you guys out there historically speaking Usually Mother's Day, the, the churches are packed because when kids ask their moms, hey, what do you guys want to do, all well, the moms want to go to church. And on Father's Day, usually the attendance is, is fairly sparse because when the kids ask their dad what they want to do, they want to go fishing. So I'm glad to see that there's uh, quite a few of you here today. My dad used to tell me that I would, uh, I would rather be sitting in a boat thinking about God than sitting in a church thinking about fishing. So hopefully uh, you here today aren't thinking about fishing. If you're fortunate like me, you had a good father. I had a rock star for a father. He was, uh, he was a great man. He's been gone 22 years now, and I miss him terribly. He'd come to every, I played to high school basketball and college basketball, and a little bit after that, my dad would come to all my high school games and to some of my college games, and he didn't care. He'd wear his bright yellow shirt that said Mark Rayburn's dad on it, and every time I'd score, he'd ring this cowbell. And so even where the guys on my team got to the point where they were like, hey, your dad's here because they heard the cowbell, right? Taught me a lot about hunting and fishing. Taught me how to work hard, how to be a responsible man. But more importantly, he taught me how to love God and love others and even love the unlovely and the downcast and the downtrodden. But I know some of you here today aren't here to celebrate Father's Day. Maybe you've lost your dad. Maybe you had an absent father. Maybe you had an abusive father. Last thing you want to do is celebrate your dad. Well, I'm sorry. It shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way at all. And I want to thank you fathers that are here. And I pray that somehow today you will sense the love of God, the father that can fill that void. And you will ever have in him. Last Sunday, Pastor Kevin was uh, continuing on with Ephesians chapter 3 in the, in the first half. One of the things he gave us for homework when we left was the fact of talking about Jesus died for the horizontal relationship as well as the vertical relationship. And man, that really struck home to me, right? Because we usually come to church, we're thinking about our relationship with Jesus Christ. And the homework was where do I, where do I need to reconcile? Maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's friendship. Maybe it's work, maybe it's parents, maybe it's, maybe it's your children. I really appreciate it. And if you didn't get a chance to hear Pastor's message from last Sunday, be sure and take a look at it, listen to it online. Well, I have the opportunity of sharing with you the last half of Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul continues in uh, Ephesians three fourteen, And I think a lot of what he speaks of here is going to resonate with us today on Father's Day and every other day. I was also excited when pastor gave me this passage of scripture to speak on it. Verses 17 and 18 are the life verses for my two granddaughters. So that uh, sort of struck a chord. Let's read Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21, shall we? For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit. And that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, width, height, and depth of God's love. And to know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul continues the same thought that he had from Ephesians three one. Here he picks it up again in verse 14 because he says, for this reason. Some uh, translators say for this cause. And, and one, he says, you know, it's funny because Paul wrote this. It's not funny, but Paul wrote this from a prison in Ephesus to the Ephesians. He was in chains. And yet, and you look at verse 1 of chapter 3, he doesn't say, I, Paul, a prisoner of Rome. He says, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. No matter where he was, Paul realized that, you know what, I belong to Jesus, whether I'm in chains or not in chains. The ministry, my impact that God has called me to, to proclaim will not change, no matter where I'm at. So he continues on here, right? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, because he's a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And Christy and I had an opportunity to go to Israel a few years back. And it's amazing that when he talks about bowing his knees, the customary stance is to stand in prayer. When you go to the Wailing Wall, there's not a whole lot of people kneeling. Everyone's standing and praying. So for him to come out and say, I bow my knees before the Father, Paul here is emphasizing a deep, deep humility and reverence, right, for God the Father. Then it continues on: every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Paul's ministry as it transformed from, from reaching out to the Jews, now he's reaching out to the Gentiles, is to bring them both together. And this father that he's talking about is that Jews and Gentiles have the same heir inheritance. They're the same heirs. They can call God the Father their Father, one family of God that bears his name. All of you that came that walk in here, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you come from every different walk, right? We're not all the same. Right, Whether you're white-collar, blue-collar, shock-collar, right? You all came in here, and you came here to worship God, or you came here looking for God. And the thing is, is that we all, as having a relationship with Jesus Christ, have the same Father, God the Father. So on Wednesday, I had to go to a doctor's office, had to have a little procedure done, and the first thing that happens when you go into a doctor's office, the nurse says, all righty, let's just hop up on the scale here, right? And I'm like, my, my hopping days are about done. But I'm, all right, I'll get up on the scale. And then there's that, that eerie silence, right? And I look at the weight, and I'm thinking, I turn around because I'm thinking maybe she stepped up on the scale with me because she said, let's, let's hop up. I'm thinking, she's there, right? <laughs> so then you're looking for something incredibly intellectual to say, and I'm like, oh, I must have concrete in my pockets, Right? It's, it's not, the, and she's like, okay, follow me. And you're just like, ah. So then you walk behind her, right? And you're doing the walk of shame because of the scale to the, to the little room that the doctor is waiting for you in. And I'm thinking, man, and I'm wondering as I'm walking, I'm thinking, I wonder what she's thinking. But then I think to myself, what am I thinking? How did I get to this point? Well, I know how I got to this point. It's really obvious, right? You know, when you go through the buffet line, whether it's at the Old Country Buffet or it's a Golden Corral, uh, all these different places. Um, Yeah. You get to the buffet line and you walk up to that chafing dish that's steaming, and there's so much bacon and sausage in it that the lid doesn't sit quite properly on it, right? And you reach down and you pull that lid off and you hear the angelic choir, oh! And then you just spontaneously break out in the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. No, nobody does that. You guys are weirdos. I believe it or not, I am concerned about my outward appearance. America spent last year, America spent over nine billion dollars cosmetically surgically on their outward appearance. More than 15 million people had surgical procedures for their outward appearance in 2021. They increased, now this is during COVID and everything else, surgical procedures increased 54% from 2020 to 2021. The stimulus money was not just going for gas and groceries, We've got augmentation, liposuction, nose reshaping, eyelids, facelifts. There were some words in there I had to look up because I didn't even know what those were, right? And those are the surgical things. Then you get to the home gyms. You get to the gym memberships. You get to the workout plans. You get to the exercise equipment. I mean, you can obviously tell that Pastor Kevin's had his biceps done. Those things are huge, right? (laughs) We are, as America is obsessed with embracing or reshaping our outward appearance, our body. And I'm not saying, I'm not going to say this here, that it's evil, right? Or it's sin or shame on you. Because God knows all those things that I mentioned, A, B, C, D, E, E being all of the above, I'm always E, right? I, I probably need a lot of those things. But what I am saying is Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture, are we as obsessed with our inner being as we are with our outer being? A lot of people get help to focus on their outer being. If you look at that verse right there, it says, I pray that, verse 16, I pray that he might grant you according to the riches of glory to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit. And a lot of people get help to focus on their outer being. A lot of people get dieticians, right, to help with their diet. Maybe you get a yoga instructor. Maybe you get a personal trainer. Maybe you binge watch The Biggest Loser, right, right? Maybe you've got every CD, DVD, whatever of Jillian Michaels and Billy Banks in order to help you, encourage you in your outward appearance. And Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture, you don't need that. If you're a Christ follower, you have it inside of you. The Holy Spirit gives you the strength to deal with your inner man, with your inner person. And we train ourselves for for things outwardly, right? For outward appearance, we go uh, whether you're on a sports team, Maybe you're getting ready to get married, right? Marriage is a big one. Maybe a vacation. Maybe you're planning on running a marathon. We do all these, these different things in order to, to get ready for that event. 1 Corinthians 9 says, therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I buffet my body and make it my slave. 1990, I played basketball in Africa for a period of time and The team that I uh, got on, they sent us a schedule six months in advance and said, you're going to be playing 32 games in 30 days against the best teams that Zimbabwe Africa has to offer. Well, needless to say, we had to do as a team and individually, we had to do everything possible to think about playing in that heat and playing 32 games in 30 days. We train ourselves for various events. But do we train ourselves for godliness? Coming back to that inner man, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8 says, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for this present life and also for the life to come. Paul is praying here for the strengthening of the inner man. This is not a a mental renewing. This isn't a a self-talk. Get a grip on yourself or I need to turn over a new leaf. This is the fundamental work of God from his spirit to our spirit. Godliness requires our effort. Paul distinguishes clearly in in Romans chapter 7 where he talks about the inner man. The inner man wants to do good. It delights in God's laws. It's a slave to God's laws. But it's fighting against temptation. It's developing discipline. We know these things to be true regarding our, our physical training, and it's not, no different with the soul. Strengthen the inner man, our heart and our soul doesn't just happen. It's a daily discipline. This inner man, this is the true us. This is the true Mark. This is the true Ken, right? This is the true whoever you are here this morning, this is who you are. This is the, the, you are created in the likeness of God in holiness and true righteousness if you have a relationship with him. That inner man, it wishes to do good. It joyfully concurs with the word of God. It experiences no condemnation. It's not destroyed by bad circumstances. It's renewed by feeding on eternal truth. That's who we are in Jesus Christ. Whatever the attack may be, the resistance can be strengthened, and we all are to be made more than conquerors. This is the essential biblical teaching, right, as how to live in such a world as this, how to keep coping in this crazy, chaotic world that we live in, how to be more than conquerors in spite of everything that happens in this world. The Bible challenges us not to figure out a way to eliminate our problems, but rather to be strengthened by God in such a way as to live above them. Not without pain and suffering, but in spite of pain and suffering. It's just life. These things have been going on since since Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. Bad things happen to good people. We live in a fallen world. Remember Job's friends? What did you do to piss God off that he would do this to you? And God came back and spoke to his friends and said, "Do Do you know my mind? Do you have any idea? But we do know this, is that things don't happen because God stopped loving you. Romans 8, 38 and 39 talks about that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing at all. And if you, if you became a Christian and people shared with you John 3, 16, for God so loved the world and they should have shared with you also, 1 Peter 4.13, 4, we also get to share in his sufferings. Because a lot of people think when they come to Christ that, that the terrible things of this world and terrible events that befalls good and bad, that they're just going to fall away, and we're going to live a blessed life. Health, wealth, posterity. Preach that to Paul. Paul followed Jesus all his life until he was martyred. It was not an easy life. And obviously, we're not living a life such as Paul, but we still have that Holy Spirit, that inner man that's within us that we are not obsessed with. We want to be obsessed with our inner man. And so we ask ourselves just as like when somebody loses weight or something happens, you see that transformation in their outer body, and we're all like, oh my gosh. Did you see Larry or Fred or Ken or whoever his name Did you see them? You can see the transformation. Well, then Do have, we have to ask, after reading the scripture, is our love for God increasing to the point to where our lives are transformed so that people look at us and say, oh, my gosh. Did you see Greg? Did you see Andy? Do you see the difference that Jesus Christ makes in their life? Are we daily being strengthened in the inner man? And is it our prayer to put off the old self and put on Jesus Christ, the new self? And Paul gives us that example of how to pray. Right, this, this passage of Scripture is a prayer of Paul to the Ephesians. Paul's quite the prayer warrior. And he gives us an example. And says, So how do we pray? Paul prays that the Ephesians, you go down to the next verse, I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love, and we'll just stop there. Paul prays that the Ephesians would be rooted and grounded in love. Do we ask God to eliminate our problems? Do we ask God to, to give us an easy path? As a father, how do I pray for my children? You know, when my kids were young, we, had, we did the old, you know, now I lay me down to sleep and pray for the food and, and uh, all these little infant prayers, Right? And as our kids get older, my kids are 30, 28, and 25. And as our kids get older, I don't pray for Colton. Lord, help him to get a good night's sleep. Lord, help him to watch his diet. Right? We don't. No, that's not. We we, we pray for our kids. And yet we do. We do. Our prayer life hasn't changed. That's part of the transforming power within our inner being is that when Christ is in there through the Holy Spirit, our prayer life should change based upon, not based upon our kids, but how we see our kids, how we see our fellow man, how we see our fellow person in church, how we see our fellow person out on the job site. We want to pray for them in such a way as I don't want to just cover their bedtime, I don't want to cover their nap time, I don't want to cover their meal time. This is what I want to pray. I want to pray that Betty, Billy, and, and, and Susie would be grounded and rooted in the word of God, because all those things that I pray for, uh, help Billy to stop being promiscuous, help Tommy to stop smoking, help help, uh, Jimmy uh, to stop doing drugs. If instead I started praying for my kids or those individuals I was praying for that they would understand the deepness of the being rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, those details will work themselves out. It is time as, as Christian believers that we stop praying superficial prayers and start realizing that God is calling out from our inner man through his Holy Spirit that we need to be more intentional and we need to be more hard-lined when it comes to prayer. Because if they're there and if they're his and Christ dwells in their heart through faith, the Holy Spirit will work out. A lot of times we pray those, the band, I call them the band-aid prayers, when we should be praying surgically. So? I'll share this with my small group. I've got a neighbor. They've got pigs, a lot of pigs, too many pigs. Dr. Doolittle would have said, whoa, cut it off, right? They're young, they're not quite sure how to feed them, how to keep them inside a fence. So on a daily basis here for the last couple months, I've had pigs in my yard, running around my pond, eating corn from my bird feeders. Give, my dogs don't mind because they love chasing them all, all the way out of wherever, right? And she's absolutely driven me nuts. And I've had, the, I've just been, I tell Tara all the time, I'm like, hey, you know, they keep coming over here. Your bacon keeps coming in my yard. I'm gonna start whacking them. <laughs> and it frustrated me. And I talk to Christian like, it's, I'm so tired that it's got to this point. And she goes, How do you pray about it? I said, I don't even know if I'm praying about it. She goes, Are you praying? for their salvation? Are you praying they would be deeply rooted and grounded in the love of Christ or are you more concerned about our neighbors and the pig relationship? I'm like holy smokes. My prayer life needs to change. I need to get off the band-aid prayers and get onto the surgical prayers. And so our prayer, please God, give them the strength whether it's our children, whoever it is, give them the strength to change their inner being. And if rooted and grounded is not too far of a reach to comprehend the love of Christ. The rest of that verse says that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, the width, the height, the depth of God's love. When I married Christy back in 1987, I know some of you weren't even born there. We got married at a a chapel in uh, University of Pacific down in Stockton, California. And I can remember to this day when my wife came out and she walked up the aisle, she came into uh, a live trumpet blaring Majesty. That's how my wife walked down. Well, she was my wife at that point, but soon to be. As she's walking down the aisle, I I thought to myself, there's no way that I can love her any more than I do at this moment here right now. And here we are 35 years later. I can't comprehend, can't comprehend the depth of the love that I have for her. I can't grasp it. There's no way. And one of the ways we grow stronger in the inner man is to grow in our comprehension of the love of God for us. Comprehension is important, right? It's important that we understand what God has done for us in sending Christ. It's vital that we, that we grasp the fact that the depth of his love for us. And you notice that Paul piles up terms to describe the greatness of Christ's love for us. He prays that we'd be able to wrap our minds around the width, the length, the breadth, and the height. And I suppose Paul could have simply just said, Well, you know what? God loves you uh, so great. Uh, His love is immeasurably high. His love is very deep. His love is extremely wide. But by Paul calling the attention to the breadth, height, width, and depth, it moves us to contemplate carefully The richness, the deepness, the the immensity, the multifaceted effect of God's love for us. I went to college in Saskatchewan, Canada. Flat. Wheat fields. And some of the kids I went to school with, a couple of my friends, they'd never seen a mountain, they'd never seen an ocean. I said, hey, why don't you guys come home with me at Christmas time, come to the farm, I'll take you to the ocean. So a couple of them did. did. Guy and his girlfriend, they came here, and uh, I took them to Ocean Shores. We drove up, parked, started walking out, and they never said a word. They never said a word. We walked out to the ocean. They took off their socks, shoes. And I'm like, "Whoa, it's December. <laughs> Calm down, right? <laughs> Calm down." And nope, they were going to wade out to their knees and just stand in it and just take it all in. They could not believe. Just the expanse of the ocean. It was huge. Max Licato has a quote that says, If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, but he chose your heart. What about the Christmas gift he sent you in Bethlehem, not to mention that Friday at Calvary? Let's face it, friends, he's crazy about you. He has surrounded us with his love. We're swimming deep within an ocean of his love. But you know what? That's hard to grasp. Just like my friends standing at the ocean, they didn't know how deep the ocean was. They didn't know how far it went to the right, how far it went to the left. Not Sure, they'd read about it. But as they're standing in it, they're experiencing it, but they don't know the expanse of it. And if there's one thing I could wish for each one of us here today, to grasp today, is to clearly hear the voice of God saying, I love you more than you could ever imagine. And if you're like me, sometimes it's difficult to hear God say, I love you. I wish that he'd, you know, light a rhododendron bush in my front yard on fire and speak to me out of it. But that ain't gonna happen. At least I'm thinking it's not gonna, but sometimes it's hard to hear the voice of God. My dad passed away 22 years ago. And what I wouldn't give to just hear those words, I love you, one more time. My mom passed away in September. A lot of you were here for a funeral. Every day when I left the shop, her house, she could see my, she could see my shop. She'd call, where are you going to work today? What are you doing? And I love you, without fail. Without fail. I don't get to hear those, those words from my parents anymore. But as we go on to verse 18, verse 18, it says, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length, width, height, and depth of God's love. That is why Paul's prayer for us is that we would comprehend the love of Christ with all the saints. The Christian religion is not an individualistic religion. It's corporate. We came here today from all, we talked about all different walks of life. We came here today as God's people to contemplate the love of God for us that he's shown to us through Jesus Christ we're here to remember our former way of life. We're here to testify to the mercy of God that has been shown to us. We're together to reflect upon the glories of the gospel. And this ability to grasp or, or comprehend it is for all the saints. It's for all of us. It's not, it's not just for Pastor Kevin, for the elders, for our, our directors. It's for all of us to comprehend and to grasp that kind of love. You say, well, what are you talking about? What I'm saying is... You are the voice of God's love to others. When people walk through those front doors of our church, are they faced full throttle with the fact of how much Jesus loves you, and you're showing that love to them? Because I'll guarantee you, some people walking through those doors, just as much as there's some of you sitting here, need to hear God say, I love you. In spite of the circumstances, in spite of the chaos, I love you. What we know to be about the immensity of God's love for us should be extended to our brothers and sisters. And then he goes on. Verse 19. To know the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge so he may be filled with the fullness of God. This is is a tough verse. The love of Christ that surpasses knowledge Paul's prayer that we would know something that is beyond knowledge. How is that even possible, right? Well, it's possible to know something truly without knowing it exhaustively. It's possible to grasp something, but at the same time acknowledge that it's deeper still. Many things pertaining to God and our redemption in Jesus Christ are like this. In Christ, we know God truly, but we don't know God exhaustively. Though we know him truly and we even call him Father, God the Father, he is beyond us still. So it is with the love of Jesus. With God's help we can grasp it, but the true breadth, length, width, height is really beyond our ability to comprehend. And we will never understand it until we see him face to face. But what's the fullness of God? That you may be filled with the fullness of God. Buzz, that that phrase right there for me is about as hard to explain as a Trinity. So I'll I'll do it this way. When you're filled with God, you're like this glass, and I fill it right to the top. That glass is not half empty, not half full. It's full. When you are filled with the fullness of God, whatever your walk of life may be, whatever you're doing in this life, whether it's going to church, whether it's at your job, whether it's watching your children, whether it's watching somebody else's children, whatever the case may be, whatever your life, whenever you are bumped into, oh, excuse me, didn't mean to get you wet there. That was God. Oh, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Did you get wet? That was Jesus. Oh, wait a minute. I'm uh, Yeah, okay. You get the point? fullness of God means when the glass is full, no matter what you do, you spill over the love of Jesus Christ that's in your life. But guess what? When the glass isn't all the way full, when it's half full, guess what? You're full of yourself because you don't spill over into other people's lives. You're not right at the brim with the love of Jesus Christ. So that no matter what, any little bump, any little, any little joy, any little thing People can see the transformation of your inner man in yourself. When I was a child, I didn't comprehend the love my parents had for me. I really couldn't grasp it. I remember one day, I, I ran away. You don't love me, as I'm headed out the door. I'm sure some of you have had children to do that, and if you hadn't, it's It's coming. Hunter did that to me one time. I'm running away. You guys don't let me. Shut the gate on your way out. <laughs> he didn't, um, didn't comprehend the love of what his parents had for him, right? I'm not a child anymore. I've known Jesus for a long time. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, even in this, the crazy things that have happened to me in this life, the things I've been involved in, the things I, I regret, the things that are, uh, the victories and the joys the sorrows and the failures i know jesus loves me jesus loves me this i know for the bible tells me so i'm not running away i'm not leaving jesus and that's my prayer for you today as you are being rooted and grounded that you would understand that i'm not running away i'm not leaving jesus there's no greener grass there's no greater father there's no other savior than Jesus Christ. But there are times when life is hard and we struggle to strengthen the inner man. And it's difficult to comprehend the love of Christ and sometimes we don't feel like loving people when they come through those doors. So in response to that, Paul ends chapter 3 this way. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's not your power. God's power working through you. Okay, we've got some homework, okay? So you want to bring that up for me, Brother Bob? So number one is make an exercise plan to strengthen your inner being. All of you know how to do stuff for your outer being. Remember a few years back when Kevin challenged us with the 10-10 plan? What was that? Are you guys all new? No one's been at High Point longer than four years? Ten minutes of Bible reading a day. Ten minutes in prayer a day. It's a simple start, but just like in an exercise program, you have to start somewhere. You're not going to do 100 sit-ups the first time you sit down. Okay? So you have to start somewhere. If you want to start exercising or f- figuring out what it means to strengthen your inner man, spend 10 day, 10 hours, 10 day. You can spend it, 10 uh, minutes in prayer and 10 minutes reading God's word. Next one is show someone God's love through you. It might be the only way that they experience God's love is through you as a Christ follower. And you say, "I don't know if I can do that." Hey, now to him who can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think. Share with someone your love story. We're quick to tell about how we met our spouse or, or, or share the story of, of our engagement or our, the different things that happen in our lives. And that love relationship we have with our outer being, with our inner being, with Jesus Christ is more important. Share the depth of your love for Jesus because of the depth of Christ's love for you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity to get into it, to study it. We thank you for Paul. We thank you for his life that he sacrificed that we might know you deeper in our inner man, and that we might love you more in this walk of life here on this planet. Thank you, Father, and we pray this in your name. Amen.